morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. School's out for summer. What's that song? That seventies or eighties? Yeah, eighties. Yeah, that, I'm quoting it. Out forever. Oh, it is. It's forever. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. So one of the teachers that I'm friends with on Facebook posted yesterday that they had a 78 day weekend. 78 day weekend. <laughs> hey, that's nice. Yeah. So, um, last weekend, uh, was a, was a big weekend. It was Pentecost. We had confirmations for our 1030 AM mass, uh, for adults because of confirmation, uh, because of Pentecost. Pentecost, the 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, he ascends into heaven and then he sends the Holy Spirit, him and the Father. And the apostles who were barricaded in a room because they were afraid that they would be killed if they were even associated with Jesus. When they received the outpouring and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit, they ran out into the streets and Peter um, preached in such a manner that 3,000 people were baptized that day. Yep. Pretty incredible. And every person in the streets heard them speaking in their own language and they accused the apostles of being drunk. <laughs> and Peter's argument <laughs> to that was, it's only nine o'clock in yeah, the morning. So it's only in the morning. And yeah. then the Cajuns were like, well, yeah. you know, if you Peter, don't start in the Peter morning, had, you can't drink all day. <laughs> Peter had never been to a festival in South Louisiana <laughs> <laughs> or the hunting camp. <laughs> or Mardi Gras. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, Pentecost, um, the promise of the Holy Spirit made throughout Scripture, um, our Lord promising to send the Comforter, the, uh, the Paraclete, uh, the one to be among us, to enliven our spirits, the descent of the Holy Spirit on our Lord uh, whenever he is baptized. Actually, I was reading something, yeah, I think it was a few days ago, on like the scriptural proofs for confirmation, the sacrament. And actually, they used the baptism of our Lord in the Jordan as um, one of the reasons why for confirmation, because confirmation completes baptism. And so our Lord baptized in the Jordan, and then the Holy Spirit descends upon him. They say is both used completely for baptism, because you are made a child of God and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. But then also, first the baptism and then confirmation. Because confirmation completes all of the graces that was given in baptism. And so they use that the Holy Spirit descended upon Christ after his baptism as um, a type for confirmation. To connect the two sacraments. Mm -hmm, Because baptism and confirmation go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. In the way we do them today, in the sacramental rite for baptism, we have the chrism oil because we've separated the two sacraments. However, at the vigil mass, when we brought some adults into the church who were not baptized, um, in, their, in the rite of baptism, they did not get anointed with the chrism oil. They only got anointed with the oil of catechumen because they then received the sacrament of confirmation immediately following the sacrament of baptism. Mm-hmm. So, confirmation, what is it? That sacrament. Ooh. What? It's one of my favorite sacraments, actually. So then, you, why don't you, why don't you go well, ahead. I, I spent 20 years of my life prepping high school juniors to receive the sacrament, and I think that 
unfortunately, a lot of people, I, I, I don't know if the church really knows what to do with confirmation, right? And I say that only because throughout the history of the church, we keep moving the sacrament around, right? We're receiving it as juniors and we're about to move it to eighth grade. There was a time where my parents received it in sixth grade, you know, like. So and we even just, in the East, they receive it right after baptism. Mm-hmm. We have some dioceses today who are back to original order where they do full initiation as infants. And we have some that do original order where they receive it over the, like spread out. But in the, so the Eucharist is really the, the, the end of the sacrament of initiation. But the way that we do it today in our diocese, confirmation becomes the end of initiation, right? And it all goes back to that upper room where the apostles, and this is what I used to tell our, our high school juniors, um, the apostles were afraid that they would be murdered. And after they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all but John were. Like, they died gruesome deaths, right? But after they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, confirmation, the stirring up of the Spirit in their life, right? They went and gave their lives. They weren't afraid anymore. Confirmation is the sacrament of Christian witness, and it is the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus. I'm going up to the Father. He said it last week, you know, the, when he ascended, and it's better for you that I go because you're going to receive the Spirit. If I, if I stay, you don't receive the Spirit, right? And it's the Spirit that empowers us to be the witness that we're created to be to the world. We talked about that when we talked about receiving the Eucharist, right? We receive the Eucharist, not just for us. The grace from the Eucharist can turn us into saints, but we receive the Eucharist so that we can bring Jesus to the world. Well, the sacrament of confirmation equips us to be that witness to the world. It equips us to be able to do and say what it is we're supposed to do and say, and we don't have to be afraid of what we're going to do and say because we have the stirring up of the Spirit through the graces of the sacrament of confirmation in our life. Confirmation, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit? Mm, he's the drunk uncle we don't like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good way that I like to think about it is, okay, we have Christ. Christ is the head of the church, the body of Christ, which is the Catholic Church. The Holy Spirit is the soul mm. of the body of Christ. So we believe in a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, next weekend is Trinity Sunday. Mm-hmm. All three are equal to each other. All three are God completely. There are not three gods. There is one God. It's like an Oreo cookie, right? Have you heard this one? Go ahead. Let me yeah, hear yeah. it. An Oreo cookie, we can separate the top cookie and the bottom cookie from the cream, and it's no longer an Oreo cookie. Right, but when we put them together, it is one of the world's most delicious desserts. Wow! In a bag, right? We get in that separated right here. Separated, it's not an Oreo. <laughs> the, uh, there was different analogies we were given in <laughs> seminary, and Oreo cookies was not one of them. But you uh, like it, yeah? We'll see, we'll see if I use it for Trinity Sunday. Uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all uh, equal. And all existent at the beginning of, you know, since the beginning, right? The Holy Spirit, we say, was sent by the Father and the Son. That is called the spiration of the Spirit. Ooh, there's that big word again. 
Mm-hmm. And just for our, some of our theologian listeners, one of the differences that separate the Eastern Orthodox from, the, from us, the West, is that they believe that the Father sends the Son and the Father alone sends the Holy Spirit. Whereas for us, we believe that the Father sent the Son and the Father and the Son sends the Holy Spirit. And so the technical term for that is the spiration of the Holy Spirit. The, whenever they send the Holy Spirit, that's, not, that's one of the big reasons why our Lord ascends into heaven before he sends the Holy Spirit, because both him and the Father send the Holy Spirit. Whenever they send the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, Pentecost 50 days, Penta, 50 days after um, this resurrection of our Lord, it is the birthday of the Catholic Church. That's whenever the uh, apostles were enlivened to preach, teach, defend the faith. That's when they no longer were afraid. Mm-hmm. And it gives different gifts, fruits, right? So both uh, the actual gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's different names for the Holy Spirit that gives way to like what it is. So the comforter, that is one of them. Um, the wild goose. The wild goose. That's that one. I don't know where that is in scripture, but it's in there somewhere. It's not. It, it, it actually, it's an image. So we have the dove, right? Yes. And the dove is found in the scripture. Um, but the image of the Holy Spirit as the wild goose comes from the early Celtic church. Um, oh, yeah. And then Father uh, Dave Pavonka kind of branded that into the wild goose series that I'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with. When I was the youth minister in Karen Crow, I was reading a book, and that was the first time that I ever ran across the image of the Holy Spirit as a wild goose. And as a hunter, like it kind of fascinated me yesterday, actually. Um, uh, Noah and I were outside in the morning and Noah's my seven-year-old and we have a couple of ponds around the house and um, in the neighborhood and um, occasionally there are a bunch of geese around it, right? And so um, these two geese were flying really low, like almost rooftop height and they were honking like geese do, right? Um, and and it's, a, it's a sound when it happens, especially when it's close, that almost beckons you to look, right? And, and, and so it's just, I think it's such a beautiful image of, a, of the Holy Spirit because it beckons us to look. He's constantly prompting us to do what it is we're supposed to do and say what it is that we're supposed to say, you know? Like, and he's untamable. We can't tame the spirit. We can't tame a goose. Friend of mine, fun story? Yeah, go a, ahead. A friend of mine went to Franciscan and um, they caught a goose. He and three of his buddies, um, they were sneaking up on a goose. And I don't know if you've ever tried this. I actually have. It's, I have not tried. I don't even know where you're going with this. And I'm letting you know I have not tried. Yeah. yeah. So um, one year I was at Cove Crest in the winter at Life Teens Camp. And we tried to capture a goose. And it's almost an impossible task. But he and his buddies were, I mean, they were on a mission. And they weren't going to stop. And um, they snuck up on this flock of geese. and one of them just lunges out and happens to catch the foot of a goose and they put it in an Adidas sports bag and they walked into the girl's dorm room and let it loose and they put it in the elevator. Yeah. And they thought that 
they sat down in the lobby waiting for a group of girls to open the elevator door. And that's not what happened. Some girls called the elevator up to the third floor. And so on the third floor, where they couldn't witness, this goose comes out of the elevator trying to attack all these girls. Praise the Lord. <laughs> the Holy Spirit coming in at all wild places, you know? You he's never disruptive. Know. He's yeah, disruptive. You never know when he's going to strike. But no, I like that. I, I love that. I mean, I love the comforter. I love, I love all the images. But I think that there's something that speaks to my heart anyway about just how the Holy Spirit prompts me to live and move. And he's unpredictable. Yeah, you can't put the Spirit in a box. Yeah. Um, you can't constrain the Holy Spirit. Like, of course, whenever I say that, yeah, look, God works within reality. And so the, the parameters that God works in, for sure. But in regards to my own box that I put, it, it, the Holy Spirit is not constrained by my box. Mm -hmm. So um, the Holy Spirit descends on Pentecost onto the apostles. Um, and that is the birthday of the church. And that's also like part of the reason why we have confirmation in regards to, um, sacred scripture. Now confirmation is able to be moved depending on the needs of the church, because confirmation is not necessary for salvation per se. Confirmation completes baptism in the sense that it, gives a totality of the Holy Spirit within the soul, and we'll go into the different gifts and the fruits of them. Um, but it also enlivens the church, the body of Christ as a whole. And so whenever a person is uh, confirmed, it's not only for them as an individual, but it's also for the, the wider community of the church. Well, yeah, because then if we're following the Holy Spirit that's been stirred up in our life through the sacramental grace of confirmation, well, then the church becomes alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes us a soldier for Christ. That's part of the reason why we use oil, because this ancient symbol, uh, soldiers were anointed uh, before they went into battle. So it is for us. Like we are doing war against Satan, the devil, and his falsehoods, his lies. As children of the light, we are doing battle against the darkness. So we are anointed. Confirmation is able to be moved depending on the needs of the wider community. So for us, confirmation has now been moved from 11th grade to 8th grade, and we have a, you know, a plan set in place for St. Pius Church and over the next two years. Have we rolled that plan out yet? I know. I know it. Okay. I actually don't know if uh, the parish knows it. You've heard it here first, everyone. So... Uh, breaking news. Breaking news in regards to uh, confirmation program here at St. Pius. And look, I'm sure it's not a secret. We want people to know about this. Um, and you could go on the bulletin. They have a little QR code uh, to give you all the information needed for it. Yeah, I know um, Father Brady mentioned last weekend that uh, we... We have to sign up. Yeah, registration's so we open. Will, we will have two confirmations a year over the next two years. Going from 11th grade, 11th grade, 10th grade, 10th grade, 9th grade, 9th grade, and 8th grade. And it will, sh it will seamlessly, ideally, 
it will seamlessly maneuver us to where we're confirming eighth grade. And if someone, let's say, in the 11th grade misses this first go-round or the second go-round, well, then we'll just put it, since we're doing it twice a year, we'll just put them in the next. Mm -hmm. um, look, kids right now are facing more temptations than in the past. That's very obvious. Because they have access to the world in their hands now, which is which has never been able to be done before. Like no one in, in history in the past has been able to have access to almost everything in the palm of their hands and the secrecy of whatever they want, right? And so they need the strength and the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that they can fight temptation better, not only privately, but publicly. They need that strength. And so that's why we're moving it from 11th grade to 8th grade. Because in high school, kids are fighting battles that they were not before. So they need that strength. And a majority of kids will, would leave the faith before the end of high school, if they are going to leave the faith. So they need the Holy Spirit to strengthen them, to give them hope, to complete baptism. And they need us, those of us who have already received confirmation, who are living and walking with the Spirit in our lives, they need that witness in their life mm -hmm. too. Because although the sacrament is big enough to do it on its own, right? It's helpful when we get to watch others live it. Absolutely. Example. Um, that's why we're moving it to eighth grade. Um, I was teaching a class the other day on the sacraments, and I gave the example that, okay, baptism is necessary for salvation. We talked about that in a previous podcast, it's like an acorn that grows into a big oak tree. Everything you need for salvation is contained within baptism. But confirmation helps that acorn become that oak tree. I have another analogy. Go ahead. Um, are you familiar with uh, a product called milk? <laughs> Go. All right, and, I'm following and, you so far. And Hershey's chocolate syrup. Yes. Okay. So this is the analogy I used to use with our confirmation candidates, and it's perfect because it's Hershey's syrup, which is, happens to have the same initials as the Holy Spirit, right? H S. So imagine if you this will. This was found in deep in prayer. Oh yeah. No, it's stolen. Um, imagine a big glass of milk, right? Um, and I begin to pour the syrup into the milk to make chocolate milk, right? Um, what happens to the syrup when I pour it into the milk? Goes straight to the bottom. It settles at the bottom, right? And if I drank the milk, would it taste like chocolate milk? Not necessarily. It may have hints, it may have it, hints. but it's not, uh, that's not chocolate milk. So think of that as the sacrament of baptism. At baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, right? And then at confirmation, the, that spirit that we've received at baptism, the fruits and the gifts that you're referring to, are then stirred up, right? So the spoon goes into the glass of milk, and now we taste like chocolate milk, right? Eventually, over time, that milk's going to settle, which is where the sacramental life of our church comes in, to continue to stir up that spirit in our lives. And so we need, we don't need the sacrament of confirmation to enter heaven. Baptism gives us what we need there, but we need the sacrament of confirmation to live this faith out in our world today, to be who we are, to say what we need to say, to do what we need to do, to follow the Spirit. The Spirit speaks truth to us. 
The spirit reminds us that we need to go to confession, right? The spirit um, plays on our conscience when we're not supposed to do something. The spirit's constantly beckoning us and reminding us of who we are in God's eyes, of who God created us Mm -hmm. to be. This uh, past weekend, I preached on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the bishop earlier in the year sent a letter to us and asked that we preach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit for this year. Uh, The previous year, last year, I preached on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. There are also the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, but this year I focused on the uh, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so just to kind of list them, uh, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Now these gifts of the Holy Spirit are kind of supernatural habits that we foster within us. We have the potential to do all these things once confirmation is given to us, and they help us live the holy life. They help us live out faith, hope, and love. They serve the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And so these gifts of the Holy Spirit, we are all given every single one of these gifts. And what they do is they help us be holy. They are habits that are given to us in confirmation, supernatural habits. And in my homily, I went into, you know, exactly which one, what they mean and stuff like that, and how do you practice them. Um, so that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Once we are confirmed, we're given them free. Those are there the gifts. Um, and then, of course, you have the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are um, once someone is living a holy life, these things naturally happen. So you will know a tree by its fruits. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you want to know it's an apple tree, well, go to it. Is it producing apples? There you go. That's it. So the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that's how you know someone is actually. Um, they will know you're my disciples by yep. the fruit that you bear. Yep. How do you know someone is living, like, close to God? Are they these things, right? So these uh, fruits of the Holy Spirit. The first one is love. So the very first gift that God gives is himself. Love. After that is joy. So the first gift that God gives after himself is joy. Is that person joyful? Okay, I'll I'll list the rest. There's peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, modesty, chastity, and goodness. Those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Whenever someone is living a holy life, they naturally have those things. Uh, Last year, whenever I I, I preached on... um, Pentecost, I went into the fruits of the Holy Spirit, kind of like a, as an examine, examination of conscience. And I got, honestly, a ton of great feedback from that. People really uh, found that to be very helpful. And if you're listening to us on the Beyond the Homily um, podcast and not on the St. Pius Tenth Church podcast platform, um, you can go back to the St. Pius the Tenth Church, and if you want to go find last year's Pentecost mm-hmm. homily, yeah. And then the final one are these charismatic gifts. The charismatic gifts, um, what kind of gifts that were given since 
apostolic times, right? Um, what are the charismatic gifts? They include healing, prophecy, the interpretation of prophecy, speaking in tongues, teaching, and leadership. The charismatic gifts are kind of personality traits, I guess, we're a supernatural personality trait that allows for the building up of the church. So there are some people that are extraordinarily gifted in regards to leadership, like holy leadership. And that proclaims the body of Christ. That proclaims Christ. When you have a holy, let's say business leader, right? or a very holy uh, church leader, or you have uh, someone who's really good at teaching, that helps people. right? So these gifts are meant for the building up of the church, not the building up of yourself. So these charismatic gifts are exactly that. They're just gifts. They do not rely essentially on my personal holiness, just like the, uh, the actual gifts of the Holy Spirit, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, what we should really look at is, one, focusing on these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and if I'm judging myself, I'm doing an examine, uh, examination of conscience. What are these fruits of the Holy Spirit, and how are they being lived out in my life? Mm. Those seven sacraments, y'all. That We're going is, all through them. Yeah, that's the uh, the Mystagogy series, the leading through the mysteries of the Easter season. That was uh, one of my uh, altar service said. That's the season finale. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Um, so it's going to be a busy summer. We have ordinations. We have Cove Crest. We have vacation Bible camp. All the things. We have a quiet campus. We had a lot of movements in, uh, priests around the diocese. And, um, yeah. So this brings this series to, uh, a, a close really. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, we'll break for the summer. Uh, we'll have kind of a, what is that, I guess two-month hiatus. So you didn't want to do it, huh? I was trying to set you up for this is our final episode. We'd oh. leave them on a cliffhanger to believe that you were getting reassigned. No, my. Even God. though you're not. Yeah, that uh, that would freak people out. <laughs> we, we were joking beforehand. Should I say, like, in a joking way that, you know, I'm being moved? And uh, just to see, you know, how many people reach out. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll really find out how many listeners we have. <laughs> so, no, but... uh. What we've learned in the last two years of recording this podcast is that summer times get busy, just, um, you know, out of parish activities, a lot of out of town stuff and vacations and summer camps and all of that. So we take the summer off from the podcast. And uh, so feel free to go back and catch up on all the episodes that we recorded. This is episode 67. So there's quite a few of them. Um, and we'll be back after Labor Day. You got it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with a friend. Be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast listening. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend at night. God bless you.